out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In. The thing that goes into things, concepts, stuff, people, places, eras of that galaxy far, far away. I'm popping open my holocron because I'm a Jedi archivist today. My name is Mac and I'm joined by my friend, Ross. Mac, great to be here. We have a little bit of a different show this week. As we've been saying um, over some of our past couple shows this season, we're starting to retread some of the Old Republic era in Star Wars Legends because eventually, sometime, we think Star Wars is going to retread that territory and recontextualize it and recanonize it. And so we want to kind of talk about what exists now before whatever comes to replace it changes it later. We're just getting excited. High Republic kind of brings eras back to Star Wars and, you know, it's such an interesting and different place and it has some echoes of the Old Republic and it just, it's got our brains firing. So we're going to go to the source. We're just going to talk about one thing today, but yep. it's a long thing. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the origins of the Old Republic storylines, which is the Dark Horse published comics, Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi, a huge cornerstone for Mac and his Star mm -hmm. Wars fandom, and something that I barely have any knowledge of. <laughs> so it's going to be a nice cross-section of uh, knowledgeable and new for us here, and we're really looking forward to talking about it. I know Mac is. I'm super excited about it. And just to let you know, if you are a fan of the Tales of Jedi, we are just going to talk about the first arc before we get to the Freedom Nad uprising and how the comic books. I'm also going to be talking about the audiobook. Um, we will be spoiling the snot out of it. Yep. So um, if you want to go consume that audiobook uh, out there on the internet or you want to go read these comic books, yep. uh, go knock that out. Or if you're ready for spoilers and you decide you want to hear it before you decide if you want to enjoy it, Stick around because we're going to be talking about Tales of the Jedi right after this. Master the ways of the Force. Their adventures were a prelude to the great wars that would follow, for the rise and fall of empires and for all future clashes between the dark side and the light. The battle that would alter the course of the galaxy begins on the planet Arcania, where the great Jedi Master, Arca, patiently trains his three apprentices, the brash young Ulic Keldroma, his brother Kay, and the alien called Tot Donita, a member of the Twi'lek race. Listen now to these stories of good and evil, these legends of heroes and villains struggling for control of the galaxy. These tales of the Jedi. You know, it's kind of mind-boggling to think that we have stories from Star Wars thousands of years before the adventures of Luke Skywalker. You know, not we have like 25,000. We can go to like the Zim the Despot and stuff. But there's also this nice, nice beautiful window that has tons of stories 4,000 years before. Yeah, and this encompasses, you know, the Old Republic. You've got books, comics, graphic novels, all sorts of different things in this timeline uh, in the Legends universe. And yes. that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a segment of Tales of the Jedi. Now, Mac, this is something that is a huge part of your fandom growing up with yes. Star Wars and something you're incredibly passionate about. And it's a nice topic for us to talk about today because, one, we're talking about some of these 
old Republic topics. You know, we did a, a, a couple weeks ago, we did a, another one of these for the simple fact that eventually this era, this time period is going to be somewhat rewritten by the new expanded universe. Oh, sure. And we have little tiny microscopic moats of it yes. appearing in canon, such as... They're um, getting sprinkled in all over the place, and it's a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. Well, like, just Pablo Hidalgo and team just going to the Visual Dictionary and saying, like, oh, okay, all the legions <laughs> here at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Oh, that's the Revan Legion. That's the Exar Kun Legion. Like, yeah. just... I guess all these Sith Masters exist again? Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's the best part is it's there, but it's not there. It's like right. we know it exists, but we don't know any details yet. And that's kind of part of the fun. So before we start to get all of those sure, details sure. in the new expanded universe, let's talk about that time period in the old expanded universe. So, Mac, I had, before we did our research for this topic, mm-hmm. basically no experience <laughs> with Tales of the Jedi. Um, other than, you know, the Old Republic era books that I've read, but those don't really tie into this at all. Other than some names and some places and some events and things like that. But the overall story of this is not something I have really, uh, dove into much yet. Yeah. So let's set the stage. So, um, all right. It's story time. (laughs) Okay. So it's the mid nineties and, uh, little Mac is going with his parents, um, across the country to see family in Arizona. And my parents are like, we're going to be on a plane trip for like three hours. And uh, mom and dad, it's very, very important that you have something to do that doesn't involve them for three hours. (laughs) So we're at like the bookstore and my dad, who already likes them, is like, you should get an audio book. You're going to bring your tape player because that tells how old I am. I had mm-hmm. a tape player. Mm-hmm. Like, you should get something to to read. And so he, like, is encouraging me to get, like, I don't know, Red Badge of Courage or something, like, thought, like, literary, which is really funny because I like that stuff now. But at the time, no! <laughs> and so he's like, all right, well, you've taken entirely too long. I'm going to grab this one. It has Star Wars on the cover. You'll like it. I'm like, hmm. Just, like, arms folded, super <laughs> mad. So I'm on this plane to Arizona, and I started, and it's like, all right, what is this? Star Wars, Tales of the Jedi. 4,000 years before the adventures of Luke Skywalker. And like, what? <laughs> like, because, you know, as yeah. as a, you know. Do you have a ballpark age for how old you were at this point? Just curious. If I had to guess, I am probably between 8 and 10. Okay. Somewhere in there. Um, so old enough to like read and be aware of books and stories and all oh, that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, but, I mean, yeah. I was an avid reader, but my parent, my parents were like something more stimulating. Yeah. Cause, um, especially at the time I, I, th- I think I'd already started developing, like I love to read, but I have a problem reading in cars. Mm-hmm. Like the motion sickness mm-hmm. will get to me and especially got worse as I got older. Same. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things of like, it's not. I love audiobooks because I can do those on planes and cars. Um, so I'm listening to this whole thing and like, I'm like at, at first, cause you know, you're little like furious. I'm like, what? Han Solo's not going to be in this. Where's Boba Fett? This is terrible. <laughs> and this is probably shortly after I'd sort of got my own star Wars fandom up and running. And after reading like tales of the bounty hunters and stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, there isn't any Star Wars outside of the original trilogy. Little did I know that only a handful of years at the close of the millennium, I would be hearing that all the time and not agree with it. Um, so anyway, so it gets into it, and 
I, I adore that. If you listen to a previous podcast, one of my solo podcasts, I talked about my love of audiobooks and went into more of that story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, so the, I listen to this thing and I'm completely enraptured. Just, this is amazing. This is awesome. And like, why aren't people talking about these? Oh, look, Eldroma, who's the main character. Like, this guy's really interesting. Why don't why don't people tell me like Luke? Because in my brain they are identical. Like there is no, I don't know about levels of canon yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we're down there, and my parents are like, "Notice all I'm doing is drawing lightsabers and stuff." And they're like, "Wow, you really like really like that." And so at one point they're they're like, "Oh well, the back of the cover of this says it was based on comic books." I'm like, "My brother and I like comic books." <laughs> And they take me to an Arizona comic book store and we find out that my mind is exploding into a thousand pieces as these things I've heard about on the tape, there are pictures of them. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so I dug into it and then it has been one of the core nodes of my fandom ever since. It, it's I think it's because it's partially its ownership. Like, these stories are rarer than most of the other ones just because... It was really that audiobook and those comic books, and that was all that was there for a really long time. And then yeah. Bioware shows up to make a video game, and now everyone's playing in my sandbox. And unlike a gatekeeping jerk, I'm like, this is great! <laughs> um, so let's set the stage. So it's like 1993. Um, Thrawn trilogy is firing off. Star Wars is going like, oh, this is marketable again. Um, and as they reach out to try and keep expanding stuff out, uh, one of the writers, Kevin J. Anderson is like working on plots about what happens afterwards. Like Luke's Jedi Academy and stuff are percolating in his head. He may even publish some by then, but he's like, I want to tell some stories where like, I can just do whatever. And they're like, what, man, what can I, what can I do? Well, you know, for a thousand generation, the, uh, Knights of the old Republic defended it for peace and justice. Obi-Wan said that. All right. So if I say a generation is like, I don't know, 40 years and condemn Mac to forever think that a generation literally is 40 years. And that's a, that's a scientific term. (laughs) Then it would be about 4,000 years of Jedi protecting the Republic. Yeah. I'm just going to go there. 4,000 years, nothing I do there could possibly (laughs) step on anyone's toes in the original trilogy. Even the droids cartoon, which takes place before it, I'm I'm avoiding that. That's still (laughs) canon-ish. And he starts writing these tales about a very different era. I I equate it to when, when you read the first comic book, which is called Tales of the Jedi, published by Dark Horse in 1993. It is renaissance fair medieval times star wars mm-hmm. um you know yes these are jedi they have laser swords but there's so many huge differences of they wear like armor their swords look kind of bulkier heavier and a little more artifact than like you know technology yeah um there's a there's a jedi master but he has a school of students so they're kind of going like more the martial arts route of, you know, this guy takes a few apprentices and teaches them everything he knows and sort of makes, for, for lack of a better term, copies of himself to pass on his particular vein of knowledge. And the Jedi Masters converse with each other, but they're they're kind of in their own little schools meeting around. Um, you know, because this is 
well before we have established concepts of like, oh, well, a Jedi apprentice is called a Padawan, and there's a council, and they hang out on Coruscant at the temple. Like, none of this stuff is going to be established until 1999, so who knows how this stuff works? And Kevin J. Anderson is writing this in a way of like, well, here's how I say it works, but maybe 4,000 years from now it doesn't. <laughs> Um, and that's the best part, is that flexibility of being so early on in a timeline. Oh, yeah. And it's what can make it such a hook, line, and sinker for so many readers or listeners in your case. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it was just such a um, it, it was just such a new frontier. Mm -hmm. And it also makes, I think, Star Wars as a place huge because it's like, oh, my gosh, the Jedi have an unbroken history that's at least 4,000 years old. How much extra oomph does that add to the tragedy of them being wiped out, right? Like, yeah. that something that is older than pretty much anything we know of other than maybe the civilization of China, <laughs> like, just zapped out of history. Like, the timescales we're dealing with are just so massive to people living on Earth. So, yeah. for today, we're just going to discuss the first arc. Now... In the, there were two sets of, of audiobooks that I love, and I did not know until I picked up the comic book how more cut apart they are. So, for your research, I asked you to kind of listen to, like, the first two parts of the audiobook or read the um, first arc of the comics, which is just called Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. Um, and uh, we basically just start with learning the framework of this universe where we have this guy. His name is Ulick Keldroma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, again, a classic hunk. Oh yeah. No. And he is a, he's a nineties hunk <laughs> and he is fighting yeah. this war droid. And this war droid is being worked on and trying to be like tuned by his brother. So Kay is there and he's like, Oh, Ulick, you, you I'll, I'll turn up the settings. Let's see if our great Jedi hero can take care of this. Meanwhile, their friend, Tatanita, who is a member of the Twi'lek race, which I don't know why that sticks in my head. They always describe it as that, as they're, they're like, a member of the Twi'lek race. I think that's his species. We're not, we're not like 100% sure on that. <laughs> like, there's always like a timidity around the way they spoke about that. But Tatanita is very much like the, the mysterious outsider. He's, he's their friend and stuff, but he's got some of those like quirks of like, I see things from a very different perspective than you humans. Um... And he is um, very much molded out of, like, he's like a good-looking Bib Fortuna. Because well, it's him and Ula are the only Twi'leks in Star Wars at the moment. So, just think of that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're watching him battle this droid, and then the droid gets too powerful, and our hero shows he has some hubris and kind of turns his back on the droid after it's not completely defeated. It stings him in the back, and he's like, ah! And then Kay's like, yeah, you, you gotta be careful, man. I, I had that tuned up to a high level. And then they're wizened old, like, deep, powerful master Arca comes in, and he's like... Yes, well, it's time for you guys to t talk about, like, how that might be a problem. Uh, about how that might be a problem, because I'm about to give you kids your first mission. You've been waiting for this for a long time, and I'm I'm at least 85%, 80% sure you guys got this. <laughs> it'll be nice. It'll be simple. It's just a quick little jaunt over. You're going to help out a queen on Onderon. It'll be easy. 
they're, they're fine over there. You just go, you, you know, you make peace, you figure out what these, these renegades out in the forest want with the queen, you solve the problem, you come back home, bada bing, bada boom, everything's good. Right? Simple yeah. A to A. Yeah, that was an exact quote, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that what he's, that's, yeah, a, that's exactly yeah. from the book. Yeah, yeah. Master Arker, like, listen to me, Kay. Listen to me, Tatanita. Listen to me, Ulrich. <clears throat> Bada bing, you're going to get <laughs> That's exactly right. Yes. Um, so the way it happened in the audiobook is great. And it, I mean, it, it plays out. The comic book is very much a photocopy of that script just turned into audio read. But it talks about, like, I want you to listen to me as a Jedi listens, which means I'm going to paint your head with mind pictures. And Master Arker basically describes that his job is he's a watchman. And so a watchman is just someone who watches over a sector of space. They kind of went the Green Lantern core with how the Jedi's watch space is Jedi are assigned districts and their job is to sort of keep an eye on that district mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. be the intermediate between the Republic and, you know, the Jedi for that area. So he talks about this For the neighborhood watch. Yeah. It's a big neighborhood, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. So he paints the picture of the planet Onderon. Mm -hmm. And the planet Onderon is a savage place. It is full of these twisted, gargantuan rainforest jungles that just choke the planet. Um, He sells the idea for generations. These people have just been absolutely destroyed by their ecosystem. It's a miracle that any human colonists have survived for any amount of time. And he specifically spells out these these particular flying beasts, uh, these, you know, saber-mouthed um, winged creatures that will just swoop in and just take stuff. I mean, for a, for a kid under the age of 10, like, when they have this thing of, like, they would swoop in and they would take the Underonians. And one's like, my baby, my God, it took my baby. I'm like... You shouldn't take ba- babies are like real. No, no. <laughs> These beasts are really, really mean. Um, and he says that like basically the only way these people survived was they started building walls. They started building this great city that they could defend themselves from. And over time, it built the great city of Aziz, the only city on the entire planet. Okay, I was trying to figure that out based on the audiobook because that's what it seemed like, but I didn't hear them specifically state that. But it seemed like it was a pretty barren world. It, the, well, not barren in get, terms of people. When not. you get to further material written about this scene, essentially what it is is a bunch of col- colonists, as happens all the time in science fiction, a bunch of colonists crash on this planet and they have to make do. Mm-hmm. Right? Classic. And, and so that's the reason there's only this one city, because humans aren't really native to Onderon. Um, so the city of Aziz, which, you know, is centuries old at this point, but like uh, the city of Aziz grew up out of that initial group of colonists. And the reason there's only one city is because they don't, they culturally never needed to live he- leave yeah, here. The population hasn't grown to a point where they need it. But when the population ha- has problems... Basically, as it's kind of summed up, if other than like slaps on the hands for like, don't do that again, they really only have one punishment. Exile. Exile. Beyond the walls of the sea, beyond the safety of our civilization. Since you have turned your back on civilization, civilization's going to turn your back. It's back on you. And of course, those terrible winged beasts that they even have freaking laser cannons on the walls to defend against are still a problem. So the second you leave the protection of the city... You're as good as dead. It is an execution. 
Which is interesting because as the... Actually, you know what? I'm going to hold off on saying that because it's a spoiler for something to come in a little bit. Okay. Uh, so never mind. Keep going, please. Okay. So he sends he sets up this whole thing of like, and this is this planet in this strange equilibrium. You have the people who live in a great technological city made of these big sandstone walls yeah. protected from the savageness around them. And you have this lush, deeply alive world all around them, but full of just, it, it's like the best way to, I think to describe it is like, it's like Australia, like everything out there wants to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's dangerous. Yes. It's, it's dangerous. And so essentially they've petitioned to have some aid and master Arca, has pondered the question, looked into it, and he's given you all the all all the information because he sort of ends the story of like, and that is the way the city is today. And he's like, and they're like, wow, what a fascinating story, Master Arca. I was like, I'm glad you think so, since I'm sending you there. It's like, what? Our first mission? Yes, I want you to go and uncover the mystery is going on at Onderon because I don't believe everything is as it see seems. Well, what do you think it is, Master Arca? I'm like, well, if I told you that, it wouldn't be a test of a Jedi skill. Now pack up and get on the Nebulon Ranger, this insane-looking ship, and get over there. <laughs> uh, throwing them into the fire, as it were. Especially, especially yeah. when you know what's happening la like later on, yeah. when yeah. you realize what Master Arca actually knows before he sends them. Like, yeah, there's definitely some some meat on the bone. I, I point out the Nebulon Ranger. If my friend Derek is listening to like, it's his favorite ship. It is a freaking giant plate stuck to a triangle shaped ship. <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now. It is. I don't can't picture it. In my so head. one of the things I really, really like, and we'll talk about this more in our next segment is the Knights of the Republic looks strange. The droids, the weapons, the clothing, the civilizations, the technology is very, very, very different in this era. And unfortunately, when they made it into video games for a more popular audience, they made it a lot more modern Star Wars, which makes it feel kind of strange. Like, basically, the way, way I like to put it is like, Tales of the Jedi feels like 4,000 years ago. Knights of the Old Republic and its ilk feel like 2,000 years ago. Like, there seems like a huge technological leap between those two. Um, and one of the reasons is because again, the ships, they're they're more skeletal. They're they're they seem more massive. In like, just to have a freighter seems to be like a lot harder to pull off technologically than, you know, uh, it is in modern Star Wars. And I love that because again, it gives me a, a sense of like when we look back at like the Renaissance Fair, right? And you walk around like you can recognize the parts of the world. Like, oh, that's a food stall, and oh, I guess jousting is their sports like you can recognize the world but you really the day-to-day -day of this is alien to you and i thought that knights or knights or republic sort of said like yeah well what if it was more like a more like a 1970s reenactment like well i, I know exactly what that world looks like excellent great <laughs> like <laughs> yeah but it's set in the same time anyway so they hop on the Nebulon Ranger and they go to Onderon and like the first thing that happens is like, hey, it's us, the Jedi, here to see you. I bet you're excited. And then they see like blaster bolts coming up from the city walls at them and they're like, whoa, 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 we're the, we're the Jedi, we're here to, it's like, it's trying to help you. It's like, yes, you're surrounded by beast riders. We're shooting them out of the sky now. 
<laughs> Heed too, or we'll shoot you down too. Like, ah. Uh, Tot, Kay, can we not be hanging out with the the beast men? The 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 these savage humans that have somehow tamed the beast and are now attacking the city, which is apparently why we're being called in because they're apparently the problem. Um, we don't want to be part of the problem. That's why we're here is to to solve the problem. And it's just this, like, you just get this, you know, oh, you're Jedi. We're so glad you're here. Look, we've got a lot of problems we're working on. Um, Go do whatever you do. Well, no, no, we're here, here to help you. Yeah, we're not going to help you, though, because we're busy with beast men who are attacking our city. Um, I don't know. Swing your laser swords around or whatever you do. Like, the, the whole city, their first impression is like, oh, they're dismissive us uh, and they think that we aren't going to be able to do anything. Which is really pushed when the queen comes out, this kind of wizard woman, and mm-hmm. she's 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 like, "Oh, I guess you're the envoy for the Jedi." No, no, ma'am, we're we're the Jedi, but your children. <laughs> I I asked for great Jedi knights. What are you? <laughs> like, well, we're Jedi knights in. Training. My name is Ula Keldroma. This is my brother Kay. This is our friend Tatanita of the Twilic race. And she's like, an alien. I'm like, uh, old Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause the idea yeah. of anyone in modern Star Wars goes, a Twilic? How exotic. Yeah. <laughs> but who knew how many of them there were in the galaxy? Well, at the time? and 4,000 years ago, it was a different place. You know, it was something that was, um, well, Star Wars was a little more specious back then. They, well, especially like, they made the Empire like racist as heck and yeah. species as heck, which of course felt right that the evil fascists were right, 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 right. Um, but is over it... time, it's one of the things of like Star Wars is like, look, classism and stuff that's really bad. Yeah, that doesn't even have a place in our villains. Yeah. Like we're 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 even admitting that like if you have intergalactic travel, you've probably gone over some of this crap. So even like Palpatine's like, this is my best bud, Masamita. I thought you hated aliens. Nah, that's a myth. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, in when we look at it, like, comparatively to what we currently have in the new expanded universe and canon Star Wars, um, it's kind of like the Empire is basically, well, humans are the best. And we use them for the biggest tip-top positions. But that doesn't mean we can't use aliens. I mean, if they can be slaves, that's the option. But if they can't... well. The more human they are, the more welcome they are in the Empire. <laughs> for sure, for like, sure. Like, I mean, yeah. for instance, take this blue fellow. I made him an admiral. He's got red eyes and stuff. But you yeah. know what? Still same shape. That walking carpet, though, yeah, that's going to have a shock collar around it and work on yeah. my Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the cool things about the new Thrawn stories is that that is something that Thrawn talks about. You get to see his perspective of it, of, you know, the Emperor trusts me. The Emperor promoted me to this high rank, but no one else likes me. And that is a really fun story as well. Don't want to go on too much of a tangent. Well, but. And, and but that's actually important to talk about. Of like one of the reason Todd is always the alien is because that is established in the current crop of Star Wars because the original Thrawn books really deal with the speciesism of like Thrawn's the alien admiral. There are no other ones, and every human except for like Pelion, his second in command, is is like yeah, but why though? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. uh, sure, you're the most brilliant strategist in the whole history of the galaxy. Fine. But, but why do you get to outrank me again? 
Don't you know he's blue? And he has red eyes. Red eyes. <laughs> um, so, again, so Tot definitely has, like, a little bit of speciesism. Of, of people like, oh, an alien. How unique. Novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they're just sort of brought in and... The queen lays out the fact of like, okay, well, I don't know exactly why you're here. You're here to help us with the beast riders, but here's the pressing matter. My daughter, my precious Alima, has been kidnapped by these <gasps> brutes. Oh, no. And I need you to go and save her mm -hmm. because who knows what those savage monster men in the jungle are doing to my precious, sweet, paper white daughter. <laughs> Could be anything. It could be any number of horrendous things. I mean, you can imagine all kinds of things we will not describe in, in all ages Dark Horse comic in 1993. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a couple of days since I've listened to these audiobooks. Oh, you're fine. Uh, is this not the point in the story also where our Jedi uh, apprentices are starting to notice some odd things going on in the town? Some people who are not, um, well, one, in, happy to interact with them or, you know, be around them, but also some odd feelings, some feelings that something feels off in the force, but they can't quite place. What is it? What feels so wrong? What feels so off? Mm -hmm. And they come to realize a little bit later what that is. Yeah, because what's happening is, the, like, Ulick's kind of the leader just because he's the brashest among them. Tatanita is just very passive. He's like, I'm cool with you leading because, like, you know, I'll say my mind. You'll listen to me and we're good. And Kay is the totally the younger brother going like, oh, yeah, Ulick, let's do this. I'm your younger brother. I'm full of spunk and energy and I like technology. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, Kay's like, I don't know. There's something wrong. And, like, Tatanita would be just like, yes, there's a, a presence, an energy that feels strange. The, these people are... Welcome us here, but there's a distance they're keeping. There, there's something they're they're holding back. And it was like, ah, you guys are just full of nerves. It's our first <laughs> mission. Mission. You just gotta like, look. I'm craving excitement and adventure, and I know I'm not supposed to, but look at this. We're hanging out in a palace. How cool is that? <laughs> and so, just to sort of put a a a, um, you know, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I I did skip one piece because like, so they meet Alima. And then the Beast Riders attack and kidnap her. Yes. yes that happens. Yes, yes. Yeah, that happens now. Sorry. So, like, they're talking about, like, they're going to take my paper white beautiful daughter. You know, it's like who I keep in a gilded cage. Um, and I, I don't want them to do that. And, of course, through the stained glass comes a bunch of Beast Riders. <laughs> uh, these just savage men, you know, uh, riding these beasts with these, like, leatherette saddles on them and they have like primitive you know recobbled together blaster weapons and stuff and like the leader the big conan like leader Orin kira drops down and he's like queen i'm going to take your daughter and she's like you can't do these kind of things in a 1993 all ages comic book <laughs> um and he kidnaps alima yeah. meanwhile the general like okay we can do this <laughs> And they're they get, into it. They get their butts handed to them because they don't know what they're doing. No, no. They try their hardest, though. And so it's like, oh, like, Ulick's trying to fight him off. Tatanita's trying to, like, protect people. And the daughter gets kidnapped. And Kay gets his arm effing cut off. <laughs> Does not go well for him on his first No! Mission. 
not at all. No, not at all. It, don't they know it's supposed to be the dark middle chapter when that happens? Oh, it's God. It's, yeah. So, so like they're licking their wounds. The queen's like, "What? You boys didn't do anything. They came here. They stole my daughter. Why are you even here? Go home. Go home, little boys." Meanwhile, Kay's going like, "My arm. I don't have it anymore." Luckily, I saw this old war droid in the town. Maybe, maybe I could just stick that prosthetic on. I don't oh, I'm know. Sure, it'll be fine. And sure, Tatanita's like, maybe we should have listened to our feelings because something's super duper off about this place. And Luke's like, I don't know. If I would have tried harder, I think we could have done it. <laughs> so, Kay gets a robot arm. <laughs> that would have. It's important because that will define him for a long time. And it's it's kind of the the Luke thing. But one of the things that's really important about Kay is Kay is almost happy. <laughs> because Kay is a technologist. He loves machines yeah. and robots. And he loves tinkering with his arm. Happy like you would be if you got robot parts. Right. Yeah. You get it. Yeah, I know. I mean, hey, if I could replace but, my teeth and a couple of legs. But I think it what it really exemplifies, especially as the story goes on, is Kay is ready to adapt to what the Force calls upon him. Mm-hmm. He and his friends made a mistake. It cost him his arm. But that's okay. The Force has a plan. There was this perfect droid that would make a great prosthetic. He used that to make his arm. This is just who he is now. This was always his path. Like, there's an a, there's a well-adjusted to the bad hand they're dealt that Ulik certainly is not on board for. Because <laughs> Ulik has yeah. just this, like, I can't... We, we were sent to help these people. And we effed it up royal (laughs) well when you have that hero archetype when when you're that type of character all of the blame falls on your shoulders no matter what no matter if it's your fault or not that's how you feel are you the main character the main jedi character of a story yeah so you have a messiah complex then (laughs) (laughs) no i don't have a messiah complex i just know it's all only up to me Mm -hmm. ah so you don't know what a messiah complex is this lone padawan (laughs) Yeah, this lone Padawan is just like, <laughs> like, I'm with my two friends, but I'm responsible for them. Really, I'm the only thing standing between certain destruction and the Force. <laughs> uh, you know, to be young and naive in the Jedi. Oh, what a great time. <laughs> I mean, hey, though, it, it's a it's a early time. It's a ruthless time. The world is, the galaxy is a different place. So... Hey, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe he is the only thing standing between certain death of the galaxy and, and the downfall of the Jedi Knights. So, you know, it, so he's just got this huge chip at his shoulder of like, guys, we've got to do this. Yeah, but the queen said to like, get the hell off her porch. Like, do we really, <laughs> can we really work for them if they don't want us to? <laughs> and it looks like, we's got to, because otherwise I'm going to look bad and that's not going to happen. We can fix this. Guys, we can fix this. We can fix this. Well, what's your plan? Well, the Beast Riders went out to the jungle. We'll just go out there too. Well, that's where their stronghold is. Tell me you have a better plan than that. We'll take the ship. Tell me you have a better plan than just that. Nope. (laughs) Come on, guys. Okay, we're in. I mean, what else are we doing? (laughs) So... You know, they have all these bad vibes. They go uh, to Adoran. Adoran's like, okay, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Uh, you guys who killed the princess. <laughs> yeah, Adoran, not happy. Um, 
And and they so they like leave and they kind of like take a black but it's like, wow, the queen doesn't like us. We lost the princess. This whole town seems really off. And did you notice that like everyone talks about King Omen, but like no one has like we didn't see that dude hide her hair. That's weird. A little weird. But yeah. I'm sure it's fine. He's busy. Nah. This giant city built on all these mounds of, you know, like, it seems like a really complex place, but you know what? We don't have the time to sightsee. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so they take the Nebulon Ranger and they head out to the jungle and they're just like, okay, keep scanning, keep scanning. And then you see, like, for the Beast Rider's perspective, they have, like, little, like, treetop listening posts and stuff. They're always on guard and they're like, hey, look, it's a ship. They're idiots. Why are they flying out this way? Don't they know what they... Shoot them down. Show them what we've got out here. Like, I don't know what the city dwellers think they're doing with these these idiots, but, like, shoot them out of the sky. And so they do. <laughs> the Beast Riders come up with their blaster pistols. They're sure, using sure. air surface-to-air. And they pretty handily take out the Nebulon Ranger. And it looks like, how could anyone have seen this coming? Such a perfect, flawless plan. We had a ship. They should just be naturally scared of that. Aren't they savages? Don't... <laughs> Doesn't this stuff seem like magic to them or something? They've got beasts. So they crash land and like Kay, barely, Kay and Tot make sure the ship doesn't like completely destroy itself. So it's like as gentle of a crash landing. But the, like Kay's like, it's going to take me hours to fix this. Ulick. I don't know what you want to do. Well, he's only got one arm. It's like, <laughs> it's true. I mean, what do you want? I'm still getting used to my new arm. <laughs> From 10 minutes ago. <laughs> uh uh, yeah, I think in the comic book because they apply it's like a day, but still. Yeah, sure, <laughs> um, sure, 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 sure. And so they're trying to figure this all out, and they're like, okay, well, it looks like grabbing a water bag and grabbing a backpack is like, well, I'm going to go find them myself. we got to figure this out. And they get surrounded by Beast Riders because the Beast Riders know where they crash because they crash them. And the Beast Riders like, yeah, you're going to come with us. It's like, well, we are Jedi Knights. We're here here to uh, take care of you Beast Riders. Yeah, we'll see. You. Orin Kira is going to kick your butt, so I don't know what the heck you're thinking about. Like, give us your fancy laser swords and let's go. <laughs> and they take them to a city built into the jungle that's, like, kind of put together. And they got technology. And it looks like these people have been putting stuff together. Like, this is almost like a civilization. Kay's like, it is a civilization. Tatiti is like, like, yes, and I'll be honest with you, like, I'm getting better vibes from these people than it was the city dwellers. And it looks like, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's impossible. And they get to Orenkir, and Orenkir is like, our people have been attacked by the city dwellers for all this time. Do you know what we are? We're the exiles. We're the descendants of all the exiles. We're the people sent out to the savage, and they went to kill us. But we found a way. We found a way to survive. And this is the bounty of all of that. We tame the beasts. They are, you know, our companions now. And Hook's like, whoa, that, I didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> and Kay's like, maybe we should have seen that come. come. And then Tatania's like, I could have seen that coming. <laughs> and they're talking to her, it's like, oh, well, yeah, but you know what? With all your civilization and you're like hanging out and being like Robin Hood is Merry Men, like, but how do you justify the kidnapping of the princess? And then Alima oh. comes out and is like, kidnapping? I asked him to kidnap me. Asked him to kidnap you? Yeah, because I want to get married married to him. It looks like what? <laughs> yes. It's a it's a what? And then just cuts to like them partying after she has has marriage because they're here for the marriage ceremony. And they're like, 
I thought uh, it was like marriage, like in that whole, like, I'm a villain, and so I'm going to marry the princess, because, I don't know, that's what they do in those stories? Mm-hmm. I I mean, once I'm, we're married, I have to have her land. <laughs> it's like, that's just how it goes. I'm so confused, and Kay's like, well, just drink some of this this stuff. It's great. And Tatani is like, the food is actually pretty excellent. It looks just like, I can't think of a time like this. I've been wrong, and I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> And so we just established that the, the the beast riders have been attacking the city because as Alima puts it, it's like, oh, well, well, you know, there's a reason we do this. And it's not just because of the exiles. Like, that's, of course, why we're here. But, like, we need to stop the city because it's evil. And it looks like, well, evil's a point of view. You know, evil's not, like, just a defined thing. Well, my mom and dad worship the dark side. I'm sorry, what? Uh, so yeah, there's this evil dark sider who came to our planet, Freedon Nad, and Freedon Nad, you know, used the dark side to enthrall our people, and he helped build the great city of Aziz, and his whole thing is to bring dominance of the dark side to this planet. That's why, you know, yeah. the exiles, most yeah. of them are political prisoners who said, like, I think we should give to charity, and I think you should be thrown outside the walls. <laughs> I mean, the city is built on Freedon Nad's tomb. He's literally haunting these people. Turning them evil. He he just thrives with the dark side. You Jedi must have noticed it when you went to the city. And like Tot's like, hmm, I might have. Kay's like, oh no, hand behind the behind the <laughs> neck of like, oh, that's what that weird feeling was. And Luke's like, I don't understand. <laughs> well, what's interesting, or what was interesting about this whole part to me, what kind yeah. of struck me, was that these are not only, of course, young Jedi. But they haven't had experience with the dark side. No. It's something that I also think uh, the High Republic, because, you know, that's the only kind of line we can draw right now. Yeah. Between canon and not canon is also doing really well of that. Like, what is this feeling? Oh, that's the dark side, young Jedi. You've never felt it before. Right. Because it's so rare in this time period. Now, obviously, the old Republic has a lot more Sith action going on. Right. We'll come to learn then. The rule of two doesn't does. exist yet. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a heck of a lot going on. But for these young Jedi who have spent the majority of their life training and becoming what they are, they have not experienced maybe as much outward darkness. Maybe they've had to deal with inward darkness, well, but not from the outside. Correct. They've been cloistered. This is their first mission. This is their yeah. first time out in the real world. Yeah. They've gone on a lot of diplomatic and stuff missions but it's always been under their master's tutelage this is the first time they've been kind of cut loose so like they would be used to landing on honoron with their master and them going i have a bad feeling and and arco would turn around like that is the permeation of the dark side there is (laughs) darkness in this place (laughs) take note of it so in the future you can see it and sense it of course they don't have that advantage because they're just like ah you just got mission jitters (laughs) Um, yeah. And, uh, so basically they get the whole skinny on this and they're like, oh, we're super wrong. We were sent by our master to, to help Onderon. And, and Alima's like, well, helping Onderon is helping us overthrow my mother and father and saving the city from its dark side influence. And it looks like there's a lot of logic to that. <laughs> the story could just end here. They could just be like, well, Better pack it up and regroup and maybe come back. Good luck, Beast Riders. Yeah. Like, it almost feels like that's where the story is going. We gotta go report back to our master and say, wow, we didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) But no, 
looks again in save face mode of like, well, if they're Darksiders, we'll join with you. <laughs> Let's go do this. From a certain point of view, everyone is evil. Well, it's it's like, I think it's more of, okay, now that you're saying Darksider, we are recognizing those yeah. bad vibes we had in the city. Yeah. We're understanding why there's such a cruel mean streak to the people of Aziz and why... Oh, yeah, I guess a group of people that's only exiles and throw you out to murder jungle probably aren't high on the moral fiber scale. <laughs> there, you know, there's like, yeah. there's like Alderaan and then many steps lower is is is. <laughs> they're working on it. Um, And so they're like, OK, this is what we're going to do. And so the Beast Riders are like, cool, join with us. We, we've got a whole lot of plans to blow up that city, you know. So um, hang out with us. <laughs> And so we they, just had a wedding. It's it's it'll be tons of fun. We party yeah, out here. Once we get over this hangover, we're attacking the city. <laughs> and, and it like looks over to Lima of like, and after other activities, uh, we're gonna go attack the city. And the Jedi are like, we don't know anything about that. We're very cloistered young men. <laughs> um, and so they side themselves with the Beast Riders. Yeah. And so X amount of days later, um. They they ride with the beast riders. They yeah. like it's great because the the one beast rider is like, all right, well get up in the set. No, that's not how you sit in the saddle. Like, jeez. <laughs> and like they're like they're like Kay and Ulick are trying to figure this out. And like Kay's is like, oh, it's probably because of my Rue robot arm. Still getting used to it. And Ulick's like, well, I've never flown a beast before. And Tatanita's like, these beasts are quite gentle. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like screw you, Tot. Um. And, and so they ride into the city and they attack it. And so once they get there, like they, it, it's like almost the same attack run they did with uh, when they captured Alima mm -hmm. is like, it's very much like we're going to go to the main Citadel and we're going to go like put a knife to your mom's throat and then she's going to give up the city. That's how this is going to go down. Yeah. Good plan. Good plan. And it'll work because it wasn't Uluk who made it. Right. Um, so they fly out, they get out there, and the battle is going very well for them. They are almost punching that hole they need to in the air defenses to get down to the Citadel. And then Queen, uh, the Queen is just like, no, no, these boys are not going to be what turns the tide. They're children. They know nothing of the dark side. And then she like... Almost like a witch spell is just kind of invoking the name on Freedon Nad and of her husband King Omen and and bring forth the dark powers, <laughs> and basically floods the city with dark side energy. And so the city has got this like new sense of like cruelty and purpose, and they start winning. And like people like Oren Kira are going like, my mind, it's in a fog. We can't, we can't win. There's no way we can win this. And the Jedi are like, what are you people talking about? Like, we had this. Like, why is your brain full of despair? And then like, wait, uh... wait. I know this one. <laughs> Dark side. And so they start just like telling people and going around instead of mind touching people. Of like, no, we've got this. Come back to your senses. And... And they realize, oh, it's coming from the queen. So they kind of make a, a crazy kamikaze run, get at the queen, knock her out. And then suddenly the Beast Rider is like, well, swing their head three, three ways to side to side and go, wait a minute, I can win. <laughs> and they sack the city. Yeah. They take it over. Yeah. Queen, 
the queen is put into jail. Alima sort of becomes the default monarch of town. And they're all like, this is great. We did this. Thank you, young Jedi. You helped us save the day, finally. And uh, yeah, no, things are great. And the Jedi are like, yeah, we did it. Thumbs up all around, everybody. We did great. And then she's just basically like, yeah, but we need to figure out what's going on with the dark side because we need to get rid of that. Maybe it's in the terrible twisted maze of catacombs below the city where the dark side tomb is. And the Jedi are like, what's the worst that could happen down there? And that's what leads us to <laughs> the next arc, which is the Freedom Nad uprising in the yes. comic books, which you don't have that clear delineation in the audiobooks. But basically, we see our young Jedi go through a trial, go on their mission, find out how complex the real world is. <laughs> And yeah. we have this just, I think, just a very clever story that is this great twist where it's like, oh, these savage bestial people are actually the good guys. And these civilized people with technology and the city are actually the bad guys. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was just really Never clever. seen that before in Star Wars. Well, the fun thing about it is, like, at the time... Other than the overarching things of, well, the teddy bear picnics, they're good, and the technologicalized military of the Empire, they're bad. Yeah. We hadn't seen that written more in a social structure. Yeah. And so, like, I, I don't know. I thought I was also 10. So, like, it was very, very clever to me. Oh, it's, it, don't get me wrong. It's, it, it, I didn't mean it like that. It is still interesting and interesting storytelling. But yeah, it, it's definitely pulling on a lot of the Star Wars tropes yeah. that we've seen. And it's very much the the story of here's a young Padawan on a mission that he's in over his head. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's all of those kind of traditions again. And that's not a bad thing, especially when you think about what the time period was. Oh yeah. For these stories. And, and they're making, and again, they're make like you said, they're making the tapestry out of the same threads mm -hmm. as everyone else is making the EU out of like uh, the movies are, are king. And what do we do beyond the movies? Yeah. Um, uh, again, the, the, the biggest things about it was, especially when I had pictures, once I had the comic books, it was like, Oh my gosh, this is so different. It looks <laughs> so different. And it's like, it felt really cool. Cause it was like, it, it felt like reading King Arthur legends from the yeah. Star Wars universe. Now you mentioned a couple of things along the way of like, you know, we get the amusing thing of like first impressions get changed, you know, like, Oh, well the first time they see the beast riders and they're kidnapping the princess. Oh, she's being rescued, not being kidnapped. That's, that's fun to look backwards mm -hmm, for sure. And then the best one we mentioned is, and master Arca who will show up later in the store story as we, in a future episode, continue talking about this narrative. Mm -hmm. Master Arca is like, oh, yeah, the Beast Riders are the good guys. I thought my story illustrated that. You must have not listened like a Jedi listens. You know, like, there's a certain amount of, like, Arca meant, knew this was the way of things. And he's like, well, if I go, I'll just dispatch the Queen and we're done. No, no. If you guys go, you'll have an adventure and learn very valuable lessons. <laughs> right? And, and and implied later on of like, yes. And it's good that the beast riders liberate the city, not me. You know, it's good that you brought these people together to try and stop this. You know, you, you kind of served your purpose. Yeah. The master worker, we screwed up a lot. Oh, I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Jedi way, baby. We learn from our failures more than we learn. Oh, wait, wait, that's weird. Where did that theme come from? Hmm. Must not exist in star Wars. <laughs> um, 
So again, I, I adore these stories. Um, if you're interested, I believe Marvel has publishing rights and you can get in like the Marvel, um, unlimited app. You can mm-hmm. read tales of the Jedi. Uh, you can also, I'm pretty sure still buy oh, trade yeah. paperbacks of them. Oh yeah. Uh, the audio book I think is currently out of print, uh, cause I don't think they know who owns the rights. It used to be on audible. I know I have copies of it, but when I went to look at it, I don't think it's for sale currently. Yeah. Um, it is on YouTube because that's where completely I found it. Legally. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Sure. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you'd like to listen instead of read, it is out there and it's, it's really good. It's a full cast audio drama. So it's more like listening to a radio play than it is like a red. Yeah. I wasn't sure how it would work going in because obviously I had never read the comic, but I've read other star Wars comics. So I understand how they work. And, uh, I, I was expecting a, a story that couldn't have, the bones that this one does a story mm-hmm. that would feel half baked because it's based on a comic book right. where the visual medium is so important. Yes. You know, you know, a comic book has 5% of the words that a novel does. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like, how do you tell a compelling story in audio drama? And even in recent star Wars, you know, we've seen with like the Dr. Africa, they didn't just take the comic and turn it into an audio drama. They wrote a script Right. They wrote a book <laughs> right. and then turned that into an audio drama. So it'll be interesting to see um, where this story goes with Tales of the Jedi, knowing that it's a completed, finished thing. I'm excited to listen to the rest. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be really cool. And and we'll keep touching back because, as you mentioned, this is some of the the most foundational cornerstones of my Star Wars fandom because mm-hmm. I, I often equate Tales of the Jedi and that era is when I came out from my brother likes Star Wars and I guess I like it too, to no, this is the thing I like about Star Wars. These are the things that I care about with Star Wars, not just copy pasting what toys my brother and I both have access to and Return of the Jedi, the only movie we have. Oh my God. (laughs) No, I'm just thinking of like, there's a really healthy chance that I got into Tales of the Jedi before I had actually watched all of new hope and certainly before empire strikes back wow because i I think i've mentioned at least a billion times we had return of the jedi but i didn't have access to any of the other tapes and so other than watching snippets of the original movie like on like on the saturday afternoon movie like i would catch bits and pieces yeah and i knew the scenes like i knew the trash compactor scene and stuff like that but like i never watched them start to finish until like i don't know christmas of 94 95 so huh that's wild to think about. That is kind of wild. And it's also kind of funny. Obviously, I'm a few years younger than you. Yeah. Um, we watched them at a, almost the same time. That is weird. You know, I was a couple years younger, but like it literally the same year, we probably saw A New Hope and Empire for the first time together. Isn't that weird? It's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> oh, boy. I do like Star Wars. Good times. Well, let's go talk about what the 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 seed here grows into the old republic most people are familiar with right after this right after this
another fine episode of Star Wars All In. Coming in for a landing right now in this giant... How does the wing even collapse? Seriously, if you haven't, go to the Wikipedia and look up the Nebulon Ranger. It is a wonderful, goofy-looking <laughs> ship. I it adore it. I it adore is quite it. goofy. All right, well, thank you for indulging me. It was uh, a ton of fun. I got to explore a new part of Star Wars that I normally don't get to see or have not seen before. Uh, much of. So let me just ask you, so you listen to some of the audiobook, thumbs up or mm -hmm. thumbs down on just like the audiobook as a product. Like, do you like That's consuming fine. Star Wars like that? Yeah, it's fine. I like, I like the audio drama better than the audio book. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, you know, we talked about this before, but if you're not aware, that's just like, it has sound effects. It has a cast. It's not just one person mm -hmm. doing all the voices. So I do prefer that. Um, and I think the era is interesting. I think some of the characters are interesting. I think, if anything, Tales of the Jedi just suffers from the 90s-ness of it all. It's very 90s. And also, this is early expanded universe Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, but especially when you're looking at it relatively. Like, there was not much that came out before this. So, yeah, all this of those things taken into consideration, I think it's a perfectly good piece of Legends Star Wars. Although I will say I am, the more I read the High Republic, I am becoming more and more of a fan of, oh yeah, Tatooine was only settled a couple hundred years ago. Oh, Bat right. is a new thing. It's like a miracle drug. So yeah. by the time we get to A New Hope, yes, these things have been around for a couple hundred years. They're established, well, but they're still young in the scale of the galaxy see, relatively. This is where uh, we'll eventually get to an episode where we talk about Knights of the Republic that's on our list, um, the yeah. video game. It's where, like, I don't blame Bioware when they made the game, um, but, like, they really updated the chronology and timeline a lot yeah. um, to hit the beats of Star Wars that the big, broad video game publishing or purchasing community was going to do, right? Like, how many people know that Tatooine is in the Outer Rim? And how many people, before, like, kids growing up on Clone Wars, had a real sense of the the astrogation of the galaxy of like oh Tatooine you know, when Luke says if there's a planet the farthest from the bright center of the universe like he means it in a very literal sense yeah. like it's these sectors coming out from the core and like I just don't think people understood that so all of Knights of the Republic I think really tainted the old Republic because when I'm reading the High Republic all I'm thinking of like yes look how much has changed in 200 years when I read Tales of the Jedi 4,000 years was an unimaginable time scale. Like, one of the big things that we didn't get to, because it doesn't really come up to, like, the fourth or fifth time we revisit this topic, is, yeah. like, there are no Nava computers. There's no such thing as Nava. There are the hyperspace lanes, and that's it. Yeah. Only these crazy, like, wildcatting, you know, prospectors are just plotting jumps and hoping they don't jump through anything. Mm -hmm. And every time they find a new planet or a new system that's viable and they can chart a route from the jump they made, awesome. They just made themselves like a mini fortune because now they can sell those prospecting rights to a company or planet or someone to expand the galaxy. Yeah. And I would argue that until Knights of Republic, like, yeah, there is no Outer Rim. Like, we're talking about, like, the colonies and expansion region is what is the frontier in yeah. this universe. Yeah. The galaxy is a lot smaller. And I really like in High Republic, you're getting that vibe again. So I think if we go back to the Old Republic, I think they'll make it even more ancient than it feels, or they'll do what sci-fi and fantasy do all the time, which is 
oh, well, you don't know about 3,000 years, the, the great cataclysm where like all computer systems were wiped and we had to start from technology zero again. We lost all the library of space Alexandra burned down and we lost all this knowledge. Yeah. I think when we eventually do get the new EU... The new Old Republic. Yeah, the new expanded universe Old Republic, I think it'll probably be, I think they'll go with a nice round a thousand years ago. A thousand years I could before. See that. I, you know, it feels like... The way I like to look at it, when you look at well, Legends or when you look at Canon, there's very much a like, just drop a zero, and that's what it would feel like in our time. So 200 years is really more like 20 years of progress. It, yeah, just Star Wars happens Star on a Wars mythic world. scale. Yeah, like, I mean, that is the way I tend to look at it. So when you start to look at all of these different numbers, 4,000 years, 2,000 years, 1,000 years, 200 years, whatever it may be, I'm okay with anything as long as the progression feels normal and natural. And by putting this High Republic bookmark in the water here, saying yeah. 200 years ago, back to was new. The hyperspace lanes existed, but people didn't really calculate them on their own. Um, you know, we don't really know how it works. We've got these new fringe planets on the oh, outer sure. rim with these colonizers. Okay, we've put that stake in the ground. Let's make sure that whenever we go back now further... We are not more advanced than that. Yeah, and and what I think, I think you're right. Like a thousand, maybe two thousand years. Like it, what it should feel like is the High Republic feels like if we take our world, right? Instead of two hundred years ago, we go back a hundred years, right? Yeah. Maybe hundred and fifty, and you have like the old west, the expansion, and we have these new technologies like the railroads connecting us all together, and we have the telegraph, and most people don't know how the telegraph works, but I can apparently send a message to San Francisco, and it can send one to New York. I don't know how it works, but this is great. It like works. That's kind of like the frontier they're trying to sort of like adopt, these romanticized stories about cowboys. I mean Jedi. You know, like it, it has a real vibe for that. So what I would basically want is I want the Knights of the Old Republic stories, right? I want them to feel like this is Rome. Like, yeah. it's the ancient world. You can recognize parts of it. When you actually look at history, it's a lot more advanced than you think. But it's, like, unrecognizable to the people of current Star Wars. Like, so you could have things like, oh, yeah, no, we, we, we had found Tatooine. Really? Yeah, like, people went out to Tatooine. Did you colonize it? <laughs> no, it's ridiculously far out. We just, we know of it. Like how the Roman world knew about the yeah. Orient, but never made trade lanes and stuff with them. Like, yeah. but explorers had gone out there. Yeah. Or, or, or I, uh, honestly, what Knights of the Republic in real world sense feels a lot like when you, uh, the comic book specifically is like the age of sailing. Hey, there's yeah. the new world. We are finding these, these crazy people are taking ships and trying to find trade out in the new world. And there's all kinds of weird stuff. There's this place called Coraban and it's got all these like <laughs> mausoleum cities. It's yeah. really screwed up. And I hear legend that there's a city of gold in there or something and people keep <laughs> looking for it. And there's a fountain of youth out there. Like that's what it kind of feels like is this yeah. mysterious. Most of the map is black and it just has there be monsters here. Yes. Whereas the high Republic feels like, Hey, we have a frontier, but we found the we found the edge of the United States. We found the known world. Now it's all about taming it. Yes. Yes. Oh. I mean, that is very much what the High Republic feels like. And I hope those feelings and those vibes continue. Yeah. And then it makes sense when we get to 200 years later. And yeah, Tatooine has a handful of small settlements throughout it, plus the people living out in the wild areas, you know. Yeah. But in general... This is a small, and it just makes the disparagement between like Coruscant and Tatooine make much more sense. And it makes sense that 
Clone Wars and Rebellions mostly take place in the Outer Rim, not because that's the happening part, but because that's where freedom fighters can disappear. Yeah. You know, that's where um, the core worlds can have a quagmired war because the core worlds are like, oh, we need to keep fighting them in the Outer Rim, I guess. I haven't been there. Don't I, know what it actually looks like. I just don't like the fact that they're like it. It, it gives it that forever war thing of like mm-hmm. how, you know, uh, you know, like the perspective of like when Americans are fighting in Europe and, and Japan, they're like, oh, yes, they're fighting across fans. I've heard of that. <laughs> yes, yes, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting along the sand. The sand. Is that a mountain or a forest? Oh, river. It's a river. I think it's a river. Right? Like where you vaguely know what's happening, but yeah. you have no firsthand knowledge of what that must look like. Yeah. Um, that's what they kind of make me feel like the Outer Rim is. And yeah, the Starlight Beacon is definitely like, hey, we're building civilization. Like for realsies out here. It reminds <laughs> me of like when they complete the Transcontinental Railroad and a New Yorker goes, wait, I can go to San Francisco? Yeah. So it's a place now. Yeah, it it always was. I mean, yeah, but until the until you could ride a train there, was it really? <laughs> so, um, fun times. Uh, just, uh, just uh, uh, heads up. I actually finally <laughs> finished Light of the Jedi. Oh, congratulations! What did you think? Um, okay. I generally liked it. I'm gonna say it's a six out of ten. Oh wow! And here's the thing about it. That beginning is some of the best Star Wars I have ever read. Yeah. That whole third, first uh, act is amazing. Yeah. The, all the tragedy stuff. And I would probably rate this probably a 7 or 8 out of 10 had I physically read it instead of audiobook. Not to besmirch Mark Thompson. Great performance. But my goodness, is it harder to keep the characters straight in my head when I, they're saying their ridiculous names and I'm not reading them? Um, like... There's a moment where a very important character has something, and for a heartbeat, I was like, oh, wait, but aren't they on... Oh, nope, just got their names confused. Never mind. Now I know Now I know what that person's doing. Oops. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, man, is this a great launching point for this universe? Mm-hmm. Well, how's it as a standalone novel? It's not meant to be a standalone novel. It is meant to introduce you to a lot of character, a lot of world, and seed all of these great stories. Yes. And then you will go out from here in every direction to more personalized stories. And I think we even talked, like, it feels like wave one is all kind of that. Um, I, I don't think... I think there's a future a year or two from now where you're following like a set of characters you really like and you don't have to follow everything else to understand their story right now. Yes. You get a buy in on the whole high Republic because right now we are just, we are working very broadly here right now until we get this thing on its feet. Yes. Um, I, well, I definitely understand what you're saying about, um, feeling like there's a lot of characters because while I didn't feel that way as much while reading light of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. um, I did it first, but as it went on, you know, it got a little bit better, but I have felt that way very much with into the dark, Mm -hmm. uh, the the newest, uh, Claudia gray, uh, high Republic novel. So I'm, I'm not done with that one myself still working on it. I've been going slow this week on reading. I've been, uh, binging agents of shield on Netflix so weird, that's been my it's uh, a weird flux. Okay. Yeah, that's been my my different. Uh, I've been kind of stepped out of my my normal reading zone, uh, so I've been slowing down on that. Um, it's okay, but I definitely understand what you're saying. I definitely liked Light of the Jedi. I think maybe more than you did, but it's because I'm so excited to see where this goes. Oh yeah, um, 
and how much I enjoyed all of the characters and what I feel, and I've said this multiple times, but what I feel the new expanded universe is really nailing in ways that old legends didn't all the time is that it's making you feel connected to every single character Mm -hmm. and it's giving every single character kind of a purpose for being there. I think my biggest thing about it, and maybe this is my own reading history of Star Wars, I almost wish these first stories like were instead of being functionally anthologies were just anthologies. Yeah. Cause there's a certain part of me of like, like I said, all the stuff with the night hill, like I'm always feeling like, okay, we need to stop over at this other book here. (laughs) Cause, cause it was like, you're getting all these different perspectives and there's a part of me like, that's like, that's really cool. Except for, I didn't feel like I could settle into any one set of perspectives. Cause the second I did, we were off to someone else's story, which was fine. Other than the fact that they are stringing along. The light of the Jedi is a story that goes from a to B. Yeah. I mean, you're just seeing it from all these different perspectives along the road when, you know, certain characters touch on that thread that's running through the whole book. And there's just part of me like, yeah, I think I almost would have liked to just have like, okay, here's, uh, you know, here's Great Storm and his apprentice and we're going to follow the story from their perspective. And then their story's over for now. And then here's, you know, here's Avar Chris and her story that's happening around the same time. And instead of having it weaving back and forth, just been chunks, if that makes sense. But I think, like I said, that is just part of me just kind of going like, but because that, because what, what I want is tells the bounty hunters. I I just want, that's how I see getting multiple perspectives on things is just having literally, uh, from a certain point of view kind of stories. And, um, it just felt like there was just, I guess the point is there's no central character to that book. And I didn't expect that. You know what I mean? There are central characters. Yes. But there isn't a central character. Yes. And while that's, I guess the point is, I, dear listener, just know that going in that this is helping set up a universe and this era is the main character of this first book. And I think if you know that, you won't be fighting it like I was. Um, I, I don't want to disperse it too much. I really did enjoy it. I'm super stoked on the High Republic. There are some of these characters that maybe part of my problem is I'm like, I want to learn more about you. No, don't, don't, don't go to them. I want to learn about you. I totally get that vibe. Um, totally so like, vibe. I, yeah, I'm very excited to when they start having like the books of like, like, uh, as I just pulled that name of like Avar Chris's story. This story falls Avar Chris. Page one is about Avar Chris. Page 350 is about Avar Chris. We're just going to follow one character through an adventure. I get that. And and again, but how can you do that unless you build the supporting cast? Because if you want to write those stories, it's easy to say, oh, and Luke Skywalker comes up. You don't have to describe who Luke Skywalker is. But if Loading Great Storm shows up, you don't want to spend two chapters explaining who that person is so that we can continue on with our first character story. Yeah. So it's, it's... It's really great and it's multifaceted. Um, but I guess, I guess if I was looking at my Goodreads, I would just put it as Tales of the you know, Light of the Jedi, High Republic, Cycle, Book One. <laughs> you know, oh, I mean, I, I think those are all fair points because I think they're all accurate of what this story is trying to do. Um, I mean, I get it. As someone who is, you know, reading uh, Into the Dark right now, my thought process is basically, why does any of this matter? Why don't we just have a whole story about Geode? He's clearly the Mm. only character that matters. (laughs) Now that I've reached him, there's no one else I really want to read about besides him. I, 
and you know what? To be honest, that's great because I think I I think the folks over the Lucas Story Group are are kind of wringing their hands of mm-hmm. like we brought a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now what we're going to be doing, guys, we're going to check the fan fiction websites and DeviantArt, and whatever characters pop, that's what we know is working. <laughs> So we've got all this geode slash fiction. That must be what people are into. Yep. Okay. It is. It's what I'm into. Right. And uh, the 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 gaze electric. Not seen enough fan art of that. I don't know what we're gonna do with that. What a fun name for a ship. What a '70s name for a ship. Yeah. Very um. Nice. So anyway, yeah. High Republic, really great. Go check it out. Um. Uh. But I think. Uh, j- just enjoy the fact it's a playground that's gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger and. Uh, just understand that if you like some part of it, don't worry. That content will be served to you eventually. But right now, just enjoy the the opening salvo of this grand new era of Star Wars. Yes. And I can't wait to continue to explore it. We've never been closer. This is the closest we've ever been. But I think for now, we're going to have to go away. I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.